Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Quad Shot, where we help you down and digest the day's most pertinent cancer news. It's June 22nd, 2020. Welcome to The Quadcast. Let's dive in. First up, in your head. HER2-CLIMB showed a very encouraging rate of intracranial activity for the small molecule HER2-TKI-Ducatinib for women with late-stage HER2-positive breast cancer. This study, as published in JCO 2020 by Lynn et al., takes an exploratory look at outcomes for the 48% of enrollees with brain metastases. As a reminder, they had progressive disease after previously receiving trastuzumab, pertuzumab, and TDM1, and were randomized to receive tecatinib or placebo along with capecitabine and trastuzumab. Among these 291 women, 60% had active, meaning new or progressing, brain metastases at the time of enrollment, while the rest had stable, previously treated brain metastases. At one year, the rate of CNS progression-free survival was 40% with tucatinib versus 0% without. Tucatinib more than doubled median CNS progression-free survival from 4 to 10 months, even achieving a marked improvement in one-year overall survival, taking it from 47 to 70%. For the subset of women with active brain metastases, median overall survival was nearly doubled from 12 to 21 months. And while it may be tempting to go it alone with decatinib in the brain, these patients had very frequent brain MRIs. And in those who received focal radiation for progression while staying on decatinib, the median time to a second event was over eight months. The bottom line is, tecatinib, when combined with trastuzumab and capecitabine, has significant intracranial activity for women with HER2-positive brain metastases after prior HER2-targeted therapy. Up second, Fulfirit. Perioperative triplet chemo regimens, such as FLOT, have demonstrated winning survival times when used for advanced esophagogastric cancers. The problem remains, as with so many cancer therapies, the big room for improvement in morbidity of treatment, with reported rates of associated grade 3 plus toxicities as high as 90%. This single-arm phase 2 trial, as published in JAMA Oncology 2020 by Park et al., evaluated fulfirinox among 67 patients with inoperable, locally advanced, recurrent, or metastatic esophagogastric adenocarcinoma. With the pre-specified goal of achieving an objective response rate of 60%. Of these, 26 were HER2 positive and received trastuzumab in conjunction with fulfirinox. Only five had received prior chemo. In the end, the objective response rate was 61% for HER2 negative and 85% for HER2 positive disease. 
The bottom line is fulfirinox with trastuzumab and her positive patients is poised to challenge FLOT in the next iteration of perioperative chemo for esophagogastric cancer and is hopefully better tolerated. Up next, M-spiring. Should you start with a BRAF mech targeted agent or an immune checkpoint inhibitor for advanced BRAF mutated melanoma? Preclinical studies have shown that BRAF mutated melanoma cells can use the PD-1 axis to resist targeted therapy. So maybe the answer is use both. Here we have the preliminary results of the MSPIRE 150 trial, where patients with BRAF B600E mutated advanced melanoma received vimurafenib and cobimetinib with or without atezolizumab. The addition of atezo to targeted therapy significantly improved medium progression-free survival from 10 to over 15 months based on investigator assessment. This was slightly less impressive on independent review of progression events, 12 versus 16 months. The improvement in progression-free survival appears to have been driven by more durable response. In other words, overall response rates were similar, but the duration of response was much more prolonged with the addition of atezolizumab. The difference in overall survival is still immature. And finally, the rate of grade 3 plus toxicity was marginally higher with the triplet regimen. The bottom line is adding atezolizumab to the combination of BRAF and MEK inhibition for BRAF V600 mutated melanoma improves progression-free survival. Thanks to Gutsmer, Lancet, 2020. Up next, trapping ain't easy. Cancer metastasis isn't a one-sided equation. A growing body of research suggests that normal cells at niche sites can promote metastases to those organs. Neutrophil extracellular traps, also known as NETs, are snippets of DNA used by neutrophils as innate immune traps for microorganisms and cancer cells. But maybe trap isn't the right word. In this study, published in Nature 2020 by Yang et al., NETs appear to sweetly attract cancer cells at potential metastatic sites in the liver. Cancer cells expressing CCDC25 were able to bind these nets and upregulate cell motility, leading to invasion. Furthermore, clinical expression of CCDC25 on breast cancer cells was found to be associated with poor outcomes. The bottom line is, CCDC25 may prove an intriguing therapeutic target for the prevention of the development of metastases. Up next, sick data. While trials on immune checkpoint inhibitors and targeted therapies are coming out left and right, data remains shockingly scarce on one near ubiquitous problem among cancer patients, nausea. 
This prospective randomized pilot study, published in JAMA Oncology 2020 by Navari et al., evaluated oral olanzapine at 5 mg daily versus placebo among 30 patients with advanced cancer to combat a history of quote-unquote chronic, well, at least one week of, nausea, not on active treatment. Median baseline nausea scores were a whopping 9 out of 10 in severity. After just one day, median nausea score remained 9 in the placebo group, but was only 2 in the olanzapine group. After 7 days, the scores were 9 and 1, respectively. What's more, no adverse event, not even sedation, was reported. The bottom line is olanzapine is on its way to making it big as a cancer antiemetic. Up next, futile system. The International Observational TeraVolt study of 200 patients with COVID-19 in the setting of a thoracic malignancy demonstrates disturbing rates of COVID-related hospitalization at 76%, as well as death at 33%. Additional food for thought, only 10% of those meeting criteria for ICU care actually received ICU care, posing the question of how these management decisions are truly being made. Thanks to Garasino, Lancet Oncology, 2020. Up next, single best bet. For lymphoma, radiation remains, and I quote, the single most powerful monotherapeutic intervention, at least per the authors Ember and Yahalom in Cancer Journal 2020. Check out the newsletter for a link to a much needed review on where modern radiation techniques stand in the current treatment algorithms for lymphoma. Discussed roles include combined therapy for early aggressive non-Hodgkin lymphoma, consolidation therapy for advanced aggressive non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and salvage therapy for relapsed or refractory non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And effective curative and palliative therapies are discussed for indolent lymphomas. Up next, as discovered on Twitter, A randomized prospective trial, yes, you're hearing that correctly, a randomized prospective trial demonstrates that tweeted versus non-tweeted publications achieve many-fold higher altmetric scores and citations. And you better believe these results were tweeted as well. Thanks to Luke et al., Annals of Thoracic Surgery, 2020. Finally, transplanting hope. A young woman is making headlines after requiring a double lung transplant at Northwestern in Chicago in order to overcome the devastation wracked by COVID-19 with an ex vivo photo of her ravaged lungs being the stuff of nightmares. Thanks to Grady, New York Times, 2020.
This concludes today's episode of The Quad Shot. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to our podcast. Also, check out our website at www.quadshotnews.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We'll catch you next time.